This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mania. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... Electric Car Market Update 2023 and Beyond. Awesome. Uh, but first, I have some follow-up, starting off with some one-year anniversary follow-up to episode 179, The Vibe, The Structure, The Journey, which was the episode mm. about Gran Turismo 7. Uh, of course, this week was the one-year anniversary of Gran Turismo 7, and with that came a, re- a recent patch, which added a limited-time event to the PS5 version of Gran Turismo 7, which added Gran Turismo Sophie. So if you didn't listen to that episode Gran Turismo Sophie is basically this machine learning powered uh, AI engine for automobile racing within Gran Turismo 7. And uh, they had pre-announced it and demoed it against Gran Turismo Sport, but uh, they had promised that it would eventually come to Gran Turismo 7. I don't think anyone actually expected it to show to show up in a limited time event only. Uh, I think most people expected it to become like a, a new feature of the game, and there's still the possibility that this may be coming down the line, but uh, at least for now, it's only here for a limited time. Uh, I did take the chance to reinstall Gran Turismo 7 to go around uh, to go and play around with it. Uh, it's pretty interesting little event. Uh, so there are five races available in five different difficulty levels. Uh, so there are four difficulty levels with multiple uh, Sophie drivers on the track. And there is one uh, which is the hardest, the 1v1 setting, where you are basically at parity uh, with that driver. And the way the difficulty settings work is, as far as I'm aware, it's the same driving model for all difficulties. But the way that they balance it is that they actually play with the performance point gap between your vehicle and the Sophie driver's vehicles. Which means uh, the easier the race you do, uh, the more underpowered their cars are compared to yours. Uh, which is really interesting because like, uh, at the easiest difficulty, I had basically zero trouble beating them reliably on all the races. It's when you get to uh, the second difficulty, which I believe was intermediate, mm-hmm. where uh, the gap is a little closer together and then basically if you mess up once it becomes very very difficult to actually uh catch back up with them uh they do some crazy stuff to actually maintain their lead despite their uh underpowered nature and of course like i since i was not winning at the second difficulty i didn't go all out and try all the other difficulties either but I, I was very, uh, I found it very interesting. And overall, I do think it, even on the easiest difficulty, I think they were more competitive than anything I fought against in the campaign. Uh, because in the campaign, I had pretty sizable leads. And these leads uh, on the easiest difficulty were still pretty significant because, you know, I still had a much higher power card than they did. But uh, it, it was a lot less seconds than uh, I saw during the campaign. So that's good. Uh, so definitely check it out if you have a PS5 and you're uh, looking for a reason to go check out Gran Turismo. Another thing, of course, that is part of this one-year anniversary patch is PSVR 2 support, which applies to the entire game, which we did not know previously. Uh, so the entire game of Gran Turismo 7 is now playable in VR, uh, which is really cool. And I think I'll put a link in the show notes to the Digital Foundry video about the VR integration in Gran Turismo 7. Uh, so you can check it out for yourself if you don't have a headset. Uh, I sure don't right now. So, and it's uh, I, th- I think I should mention it. I didn't try Sophie because it is PS5 only. Right. 
next up is some follow-up for episode 192 nobody made a fishing game uh this was the episode i did <laughs> about the panic play date uh the little handheld system and uh this week there was another uh play date announcement stream uh where they announced that the long rumored catalog app which is a curated app store for games on the playdate is now available with two free games being made available to all playdate owners one of which is not technically a fishing game but it has a fishing mechanic which is better than Ooh. nothing i guess <laughs> uh also catalog has a really really cool uh ui interaction where if you want to buy something you have to crank crank a progress bar to be full until it, for it to actually uh, carry out the transaction which is really cute uh I really like that UI interaction. Uh, unfortunately, I've been having trouble with my Playdate because it, I don't know what's up with mine, but when I plug it in from a completely dead battery charge, it boots straight into DFU mode. It doesn't actually boot into the firmware. And the Oops. only way to force the reboot into not DFU is to use a paperclip, which I do not have in the house. Uh, I have nothing that can actually reach into the reset hole the entire way. So this weekend, I'm going to ask for one at my parents' place while I'm over there. Uh, and try to reboot uh, the playdate. So I have not had the chance to software update my stuff yet. Wait, you, you don't have a, like a SIM tray tool from an iPhone box somewhere in your apartment to do that? Or is it, it, the hole is if too If you deep saw, yeah, it's too deep. You, huh. If you saw, because it's inside the uh, place where the crank is stored. So it's that depth oh. plus the depth of the hole, which is rather far down so you sort of need a paper clip or something that can actually be flattened to have a significant length to do that uh, i tried like uh, mini screwdrivers i had lying around and stuff like that and nothing could actually get to even put themselves into the hole it just didn't go mm -hmm. deep enough uh, so i couldn't do that uh, and it's just a really weird behavior for that to happen when it just reboots from a completely dead charge it's kind of weird but Whatever, I'll I'll get used to it eventually. Uh, the other thing I want to mention while we're talking while we're on the topic of Playdate is that now that most Playdate buyers have gotten theirs, I believe four out of five order groups have shipped. Um, I have been seeing a lot more enthusiasm for the Playdate as a platform on social media, um, and uh, th this extends to just people who are hobbyists and who are hacking on this thing uh, because it. They finally got theirs. Uh, but I did see a comment from an indie game dev who says they really like it as a sort of portable portfolio that they can carry with them and let people play different games and prototypes they've made uh, on the play date while they're out and about in the world. So I thought that was a really cool use case for it. Uh, and it definitely has me thinking about maybe making one or two little play date things just to try that out. Um, but n nothing formal to announce here. I was curious and I went on their website and they're still pretty far, like they're still quote unquote in pre-order mode. Uh, I look here that their estimated ship date is late 2023. So I would assume that late mean at least September. So there are at least six months. There's a six months period uh, to get one, which I would have assumed that starting this year, they would get a bit better uh, than six months, but uh, seems that's not the case. One thing I forgot to mention is that uh, there is going to be a price increase for the Playdate by $20 starting on April 7th, I want to say. Uh, it's early April. Basically, they said uh, the cost of manufacturing Playdate is going up and they sort of have been able to tank all of the price increases in production so far, but now they 
can't really get away with it anymore. Uh, so they said, we're giving you one month's notice. So if you're on the fence about buying a play date, you can buy it at the current price uh, for another month. And then the price will be going up to, I believe, $199 for just the base system. Okay, so it would go to the price of the Plate plus the cover, but just for the base system. Yes. Interesting. So that is all I have for follow-up. Now we can talk about the electric zoomies. The electric zoomies, oh my goodness. But you're correct. We will be talking about cars and specifically electric cars. Um, I realize it was been a while since uh, we talked about cars on the podcast. And recently, uh, in the past few weeks, I've been talking a lot about electric cars with colleagues at work. Um, so I was like, hey, it's it's time for me to uh, catch back up on the news that happened in the past few years, especially in comparison with episode 154, The Rich Guy from California Car, which is... Which we, which was released two years ago, uh, more than two years ago. It was released in uh, February 14th, 2021. Um, and that's when I look, last looked at the deep uh, electric car market in Canada and for sure in relation to Canada in the US. So I decided to, that this episode would be kind of similar to that episode with an update of the cars we discuss in that episode. What has shipped since then and for sure we will be talking about what's coming soonish right i did say in the intro that it will be 2023 and beyond a big portion of uh, episode 154 was dedicated to pickup trucks because in 2021 i personally dubbed it the year of electric pickup truck um and that's kind of happened uh in the end it's kind of funny because uh there was a lot of announcement about uh a lot of manufacturer new or old uh shipping an electric pickup truck uh but in the end most of them shipped either late 2022 like november december but most of them were able to ship uh, in 2022 of the electric pickup truck that we discussed um, mainly one and we'll come back about this one later hasn't shipped yet um, I have to say two because if I talk about our Canadian market sadly uh, Rivian hasn't entered the Canadian market yet uh, and it's not that they're not planning to uh, my understanding is they're supposed to come here but uh, I guess they're either running into delays or they don't have enough production to come to our small market, which is sad. But again, uh, I'm not surprised to. Uh, first of all, the Canadian market is about like 10 times smaller than the U.S. market. And for sure, uh, with the economy and uh, our weak dollar uh, selling Trucks made in the U.S. here in Canada is not really uh, good for us price-wise. But again, uh, if there is one electric pickup that I was eager in 2021, and that I think this eagerness hasn't changed now that I've watched a shit ton of reviews of it, whether it is the R1T or the R1S, which is the SUV model of the Rivian, uh it is literally that yeah it the rivian product seems to be really neat 
Um, my understanding currently is that the R1S started to ship, um, like with uh, another pickup truck we'll talk soon. Again, as an update, uh, Rivian did decide to ship the truck version first, and then more or less a year later, that was already that was more or less planned already a year ish later that the SUV version would get released. Uh, and that's literally what's happening. That is happening with the R1S. So, uh, you can already see them again. Uh, recurring topic for this week, uh, is that they are available, uh, if you were lucky to have an order put in literally two or three years ago, or you're a rich guy from California to use our previous <laughs> title and you're willing to pay a premium because there's a lot of markup uh, pri- uh, put on the price either by people reselling their allotment or literally reselling a, a thousand miles or a 2000 kilometer old uh, vehicle with uh, 50, 60 K sometimes extra on top of what they paid just because there is not that much. Uh, another uh, another vehicle that we talk in great length uh, that also has those uh, price premiums is the GMC Armor EV. And continues the trends as with Rivian that it is out in the US. Even the SUV version, I even saw news this week uh, from some uh, journalists that I follow on Instagram. And one of them, she was like literally showing pictures of her saying, hey, my review is coming literally next week uh, about the Amur EV SUV version. But sadly, again, uh, part of another trend for this week is that the GMC Armor EV is still not in Canada, but this one, like we knew, uh, it is set to be released in 2024 at the earliest. Uh, but again, we will see. The two big things that I think happen with uh, those pickup trucks and the general consensus of reviews and things like that is that the Rivian products are well made, are well received. They're kind of a lot of people compare them to Tesla, but learning from the the mystic of Tesla and then improving on that. So kind of outdoing Tesla at their own game. Um, and with the GMC or V, there's a lot of discussion about the fact that it is a 9,000 pound pickup truck <laughs> uh, with a big battery and things like that. Uh, it is a pretty cool device. Uh, there's a lot of nice technology in it. Uh, but it is a technological platform and you look show-offy for sure uh, when you drive this, especially knowing the fact that it's it's a mammoth on the road and it is pretty big. Another pickup that we didn't know its name when I was talking about uh, them in two years ago's episode is the Ford F-150 Lightning. Now that we know its name because it got released. So when I last recorded this episode, um, it was heavily rumored that Ford would release an EV pickup truck, but um, it wasn't. The name wasn't known, uh, and also there was kind of just rumors about it. And I think about maybe 
six months after the episode not even that that's one app uh how was that apple funny enough but uh ford did a big announcement i and i recall the announcement they made like made a big splash interestingly enough um there has been a lot of reviews uh, of it uh tracting trailers and things like that and again as people as have assumed uh tracting a payload really really reduce the battery life or the range you can get out the f-150 uh which for people here in Quebec especially, is going to be even worse during the winter because we already have the, the fact or the factor of cold that can reduce the battery range by best case scenario, uh, 35%, worst case scenario, 50%, uh, just because of cold weather or just cold charging outside and things like that. But if you can imagine on top of that, uh, limited range. Yeah, it's really funny because my my parents have a Chevrolet Spark, and uh, the other day I was with my mom going to Schwinnigan and back, and I thought we were running very close to the limits of the battery uh, within the winter, and my mom was like, "Well, look at, look at the readout. It says like we're good for thirty seven kilometers. We'll be fine." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's winter. You have to cut that by." Probably 50% if you want to be conservative. And she was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and the Spark has a tiny, tiny battery. It's an EV car from another generation. Luckily, we didn't have to push it home. Um, That would have sucked. But yeah, I I was definitely concerned and looking very closely at the battery display while I was (laughs) riding passenger. Right. Uh, In the end, did you have... like? Were you able to make it back and forth without charging or you had to charge at this? We didn't charge at all, but the battery was full when we left and we got back and it was practically empty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A good example of that is uh, uh, here, Quebec journalist was uh, towing with the... uh, the lightning and just to make it clear uh the lightning has two battery packs uh one that can tow up to uh, 7700 pounds and the other the big battery pack can tow to 10000 pounds uh and they were saying i think my recollection is that the bi- with the big battery range uh, the big battery pack excuse me you have a range of about 400 kilometers 435 something like that uh and they were saying that when they were towing a payload of i think 6000 pounds it was a it was funny because it was literally a trailer plus a ford bronco on top of it so being towed towed by a, a lightning uh so that was a funny uh funny sight in the video but uh, they were able to do about 250 kilometers. And that test was, I think, in spring. So not during heat, the heat waves we have here in Quebec, but not during the winter. So, so yeah, uh, towing with electric cars, like with gas-powered cars, in, like really reduce or increase your like energy consumption. But again... With EV, the main downside is it might take more than three seconds to refuel it. Um, so that, especially when you have to tow, uh, that might be a problem. I think, though, when 
uh, pickup trucks will be able to get, maybe not during the winter, but for sure get close back to the, maybe let's put it this way, the 300, 350 kilometer range uh, for a lot of people that use those pickup trucks uh, for work purposes that either have a shit ton of tools in uh, as a payload or just towing a trailer itself. I imagine that for a lot of people, this extra maybe 100, 125 kilometers is going to be good enough to just go to work in the morning and be back at home at 5 or 6 or worst case scenario 7 p.m. and then be able to charge and not worry too much while also towing, let's say, a constructor trailer full of tools and construction material. Uh, if we talk about the Lightning itself, I think now that it has shipped, now that we've seen what it looks like and what it's capable, it's, it is for sure the most pickup truck-like pickup electric pickup truck. Like... Now that the, the the Riven is out, like we the the vibe it had about about being a lifestyle vehicle is still true, and I think its benefits are aimed at that. Um, it doesn't have that much of a big bed compared to uh, the Lightning, which I think is as a typical like six foot bed. Um, but uh, it is it does have a. I can, I'll say it this way, a pickup shape pickup truck. Uh, if you compare it to the GMC Amoravi, or if we start to talk about the newcomers that are not out yet, uh, and most of them are from the GM compor- company too. Uh, if you look at the Silverado EV, the Chevrolet Silverado EV, that's coming literally in about six months in the US, in about maybe a, a year to 18 months here in Canada. Same thing with the GMC Sierra EV. Uh, those products are more like 2024, 2025, sadly. But again, those are kind of where GM put their foot forward with the GMC Armor, which is going on the crazy side of things, the crazy off-road. And then those are slowly but surely backpedaling to what Ford did, which is more or less, yes, it's a pickup truck. It looks a bit from the future but you still recognize the design cue of the f-150 um if we again if we compare them and for sure i'll put link in the show notes so you can look at those trucks while we talk about them um you'll see that the silverado and the sierra kind of look a bit like the armor but they do have their own uh design cue and in my opinion, the Sierra EV Denali looks really like closer to what the Sierra pickup trucks, the gas one, look like today. Uh, we really aren't sure about the uh, tech spec. Let's put it this way: like which battery pack, which sizes of batteries will be included in those devices. Uh, we do know though that both the Silverado and the Sierra are using the same car platform that GM has built for the GMC Armor EV. So uh, we know that it the GMC Armor has a 200 plus kilowatt hour battery. So we might see s- similar battery pack sizes for those pickup trucks, maybe just a little bit smaller uh, fit to fit those needs. Last up in the big trio of American, uh, of typical 
American pickup truck companies is Ram with or Chrysler, Dodge. Uh, so the Ram 1500 Rev uh, REV has been somewhat announced. Uh, I think they're they, they were the last one to announce something in the electric category and for sure the the chrysler fiat company is really struggling on that side uh even if we look at their car lineup at their suv lineup they don't have that much hybrid cars nor do they have fully electric cars uh fiat has a 500e for a couple of years ago but it was pretty clear that it was um a regulation car, meaning that to make sure we don't get fees because we pollute too much with our <laughs> gas cars, we have produced uh, EVs and sold them at a loss just to make sure that um, if you don't know the, the pollution rules, but in general, uh, car manufacturers, they, they need to have an average uh, gas consumption of all the cars they sell. Uh, so that's why you might have seen in the previous few years or even the previous 10 years that car companies were building hybrids or even electric cars and trying to sell them or lease them just to say that they sold cars and for sure if it was fully electric it meant that they had zero mpg so they would lower their corporate mpg average uh but coming back to the 1500 rev um i'm eager to see it because again uh what we've seen recently with uh, the Chrysler Pacifica, which is an hybrid minivan from Chrysler, and with the Jeep Wrangler EV, is that their hybrid technology is good, but not the most reliable one on the market either. Uh, owners of those vehicles have struggled and has, have run into issues but um when they're working okay they seem to be uh good technology so i kind of would worry that you would encounter a lot of issues with a ram electric pickup truck compared to the other comers here last up in the electric pickup truck update can you guess which one i'm gonna talk about no Really, I'm surprised. There's one company I haven't mentioned yet when we talk about electric cars. Oh, Tesla? Yes, we'll be talking about the lack of Cybertruck. The Cybertruck has been announced in 2019 and it still hasn't shipped. And it was supposed to be the first electric pickup truck to ship, which was pretty funny. Uh, Rivian beat them. GMC beat them. Ford beat them. Uh, and my understanding is that it's still... MIA. We still don't really know when it's going to ship. Uh, car journalists and maybe not Tesla fans, but in general, car people and car journalists are trying to believe that it's going to be pretty lackluster now that we have <laughs> options on the market. So that what will it be? Like, what will it, what will it be? It's saving grace for this. And a lot of people are saying that maybe the design will be its saving grace. I strongly disagree <laughs> with that statement. It's still a glare. I, I, I was watching in preparation for tonight, for this week's episode, uh, a couple of videos and, um, I was, this one was on, uh, on MKHB, MKPHD's auto, autofocus channel, uh, where he posts his, uh, auto content on. And I think it was, 
from last summer or something like that, like six months ago, something like that. And he was at the, Pe- the Peterson Museum in California, and they had a Tesla exhibit. And there was the 2019 Tesla Cybertruck prototype from the uh, introduction. Surprisingly enough, this one didn't have any broken windows. <laughs> but supposedly, according to Marquez, it was the one used during uh, the introduction. And it looked boring. It's weird to say that a pickup truck so angular, so mean, like, but it feels that it only has that. And now that we have real option out there, maybe with the main issue that it's hard to get them, but, uh, it's going to be hard to see what will be its saving grace. Uh, and a good example is, Rivian has the lifestyle market and mm-hmm. has cool feature for it. The tunnel in between the cabin and the bed to put camping gear is pretty neat of a feature. The Ford F-150 Lightning as an inverter, you can use it. And it was one of the first few electric cars that would allow that. You can use it either by plugging tools in the uh, power outlet throughout the cars or using a special charger that Ford sell that can be used, uh, that can use the energy in the battery to literally power your house. For sure, you need different charging equipment compared to what you might be used to. But again, it is a novel feature. It's not all, it's not all electric cars currently that offers that. Some mainly offer those like, like, AC 110 volt plug in the car themselves, but to use the electricity of the battery to power outside tools or even just power your own house is pretty novel. To quote you from the previous episode, if you want to look like an asshole, you have the GMC Armor AV. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Uh, but again, like we can talk about crab walk and a couple of features like that, but all of these have something. And I'm still struggling to find what will it be. Um, you can play I the hope, Witcher in the Tesla. Possibly. And I <laughs> hope that the, the main thing it will have, ignoring the, the crazy design cues and the design, is that still to this day, if you compare a Tesla, Model S, Model 3, Model Y, Model X, to the competition, and we'll do that later, uh, they still have better range. They still are more efficient. Um, so I wonder if that's what if that's what it will be. It's saving grace to the Cybertruck is that Tesla's stack is still better that. But again, they're slowly but surely losing ground. We'll come back to talk to Lucid again, um, and it's a good example of just playing, being better at Tesla's game, literally. It's really interesting to see that this electric pickup market is very differentiated, maybe even more so than I would say gas pickups were, uh, where they each have their little market segment and they are, there's a clear delineation between all of these models that are like, oh yeah, 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 I'm more of a Rivian person, I'm more of a Hummer person or whatever. And I think that's really cool. Uh, It's not always the case that the car market that makes that much sense the other thing is i think i completely forgot to mention tesla when you asked me what company i was up next because i forgot the cyber truck existed because it's been so long since we've heard anything about it 
Right. And I don't want to. I'll talk about another car from Tesla that we've heard years ago that is still missing in action that people were saying, oh, Tesla's going to be the best because I have a roadster that goes uh, 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Still hasn't done it. Still not out. Maybe somebody did it in the labs at Tesla, but who cares? If we cannot reproduce it ourselves, it doesn't mean anything. And I think that's the same thing that applies to the Cybertruck is when it was announced in 2019, if I yeah, 2019, it, okay, I was about to say it looked cool. No, it was cool because it seems the first N3 as a pickup truck, but it, they did not deliver as usual. They either deliver late or they don't deliver. And that's the problem with Tesla is they need to deliver. And others companies have delivered. So even if they've del- they were trying to deliver the most boring pickup truck, it's literally like the same styling as, let's say, a current... Uh, or let's, worse than that, like a 10 years old, like F-150 or GMC Sierra, but just electric, like they still haven't done that. So I think it looks bad. Sadly, it's actually this way, but I think it looks back to them. It's like they had another party to be the front runner and now they're playing the catch up game. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Android phone makers that book their events like the week before the iPhone event and then they announce all their shit and it doesn't ship for like nine months or it never ships yeah because like samsung has a history of doing that where they're like oh look at all the cool stuff our new phones will have and then like they ship maybe like in the spring or they're like oh yeah yeah, just forget about that product we never talked about that it's never going to come out and they just brush it under the rug and it lets them have like all of the prestige of announcing something first with none of the downsides if they don't ship yeah no and that's the issue that's the issue and i think rightfully so though uh people have kind of moved away from wishing the cybertruck exists i think in general like people so like we want to see what they'll bring to the market because it might be the first product that they'll have to play catch up to everybody and they might not be trendsetters or like the the best technological pickup truck or the most performant. So that's going to be interesting because they've set the trend for the last 10 years. Like this year, not in the US, but in Canada, we will be celebrating the 10 year anniversary of the introduction of the Model S in our Canadian market. I think mm. in the US, it's maybe uh, it was last year. And let's not kid ourselves. Like we wouldn't have those two episodes and we wouldn't be talking about electric cars the way we do today if Tesla didn't exist and started to do that 10 years ago. But uh, I don't worry about it because I don't, don't care too much. But for Tesla fan, I would start to worry that if you like their product because they're the best, you think they're the best electric car on the market. And I would agree with you on range and battery performance and even uh, electric motor performance, I would start to worry that they're either sitting on their laurel or literally just living in their own bubble, thinking they're the best, but they're not moving to the market. Like, the market is slowly but surely showing that they're getting better at making electric cars than Tesla is trying to just stay off, not stay afloat, but stay at the top. So I'm eager to see 
if 2023 will be when we'll see people, real people with real money buying a Cybertruck and being able to experience it, or even just journalists being able to experience it in some fashion, uh, and see what it will be like compared to all the options. Because the other, the, the other manufacturers are not stopping. They're still going full steam ahead, trying to bring more cars, more SUVs, and for sure, more electric pickup truck to the market. While I'm, I guess, quote unquote, uh, being mean to Tesla, uh, I want to give a couple of updates because uh, the once we, one thing that was interesting when I was preparing for this episode is remembering that when I did the episode two years ago, it was the introduction of the plaid models for the Model S and the Model X, which are pretty performant, but it was the introduction of another controversial decision at Tesla. Do you remember which one? Is it the steering wheel? Yes, the yoke. Um, and it's funny how they more or less have backpedaled this. I think my understanding right now is if you order a Model S or a Model X, and maybe even the 3 and the Y, uh, they come... For sure, I'm... I'm like 100% sure for the S and the X, but I forgot to verify this information for the 3 and the Y. But for those, you get the yoke by default, unless you paid for the option, I think it was like $700 USD to get a quote-unquote normal steering wheel. The other interesting thing is that while they made a lot of the news uh, uh, to be one of the rare cars with those yoke-style uh, steering wheels, they were they are not the only one. Toyota's biggest foray in the electric car uh, of the year, the BZ4X, and this name is pretty hard to pronounce, um, can be available with the yoke uh, in the Japanese uh, market. And I invite you to look at the the link I'll post in the show notes. It should be a general link, but um, you'll see that the way that the dashboard is place in the interior is pretty far away from the the general steering wheel and cockpit area that you would think in a car and one explanation i've seen is that that's why in the japanese market they have a yoke style steering wheel is that because it doesn't obstrude because the the gauge cluster is so f- close to the window uh, close to the windshield and not close to the steering wheel you need to chop off this upper part of the steering wheel to better see it for sure for the model sold here in canada they don't have the yoke uh, so they do have this problem too so where you it's hard to see the gauge cluster i think it looks really good in the japanese model it might look good but it's still a yoke and we've seen with all the videos of the model s with a yoke that it's pretty shitty of a steering wheel especially when you do like turn to turn like there's a reason why yokes exist on race cars because they don't have to do a three-pointer turn or you don't <laughs> have to turn that much uh, and things like that. So for a car again, and this to me is still reinforces, uh, again, the fact that I have to backpedal it, I'm not surprised, but the fact that it ever ship reinforces the a Tesla is not meant to be driven by a human. It it is meant to be a dream that at some point you should not be need to drive it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think conflicts with the Cybertruck because 
uh, usually pickup trucks are meant to be driven uh, by humans because they do things with them, uh, not just being chauffeured around. But uh, I don't want to diverge too much again back to the pickup trucks. So, um, so that that was the, the the quick updates with Tesla because I wanted to have a bigger update. Uh, even talk about the Roadster, uh, but guess what? Still no updates about the Roadster, <laughs> to, as far as I can tell. Uh, it's still coming soon. Uh, so I honestly wonder. We shall see how much of Tesla's. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but how much of their inaction is to blame on Elon Musk being completely, completely distracted by Twitter right now, <laughs> and. I don't know if there are power structures in that company to enable them to do anything productive if he is not there. And I, I don't mean that to say that he is the reason they get anything done. Like, I, I mean much the opposite. Right. But I don't know if anything is allowed to ship unless he has given his stamp and he is currently not there. <laughs> I wonder, too, because it would be pretty interesting if that's the case. One thing too that Tesla has for itself currently is uh, it is one of the rare car uh, electric car brands that you can go to their shop or uh, dealership. I don't want to say dealership because Tesla's, but it's it's pretty easy to get one of their cars right now, and has been for more or less a year or so compared to all the other cars we will discuss tonight and have discussed already. Getting a, tex- a Tesla these days is not too hard. Uh, the wait times are way lower than the other ones. So it is interesting to see that they've announced the Cybertruck, they've announced the Roadster, but if they're still selling Teslas as hotcakes, any models, and they're able to deliver, they still have something, or they still have an advantage compared to most of their competition, which need to ramp up production on those cars, and they still struggle to ramp up production. Like most of the car we'll talk today, they have, if you were to put your name literally at the time you listen to my voice, they will have more or less a two-year wait period, at most, or at least, excuse me, or even some of them, maybe a one-year period at least, but I've seen rare where are the electric cars that you can just go and show up and have in like three months? Let's put it this way. And Tesla, you can do that today with uh, Model 3. Like you can go to your dealership or you can order online. And then three, like I've heard like 10 weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Uh, if you're not too stringing about which color you want, if you're flexible on that front, things like that, uh, you can get one pretty quick uh for sure it's not as quick as just going to the shop uh going to the store and buying one like we used to do before covid but still it is quicker than uh the rest of the market so i kind of wonder if that impacts their decision to ship new products i don't think but, so <laughs> but yeah that would be too smart for them to do that or too smart for Elon to do that so I like your theory about Twitter um, Twitter making him busy. Good. That's more or less up with uh, Tesla updates. Um, two other cars that were mentioned in the previous episode I want to talk about. Uh, most of the cars of Volkswagen ID4 ships in Canada. You can get one if you wait long enough, but that's out. Uh, same thing with the Audi e-tron GT. Um, Sorry, I was blanking on the name for a sec. Uh, 
Um, and last but not least, I, there's one I mentioned in a follow-up uh, section, I think a couple of weeks after, was the Mercedes-Benz EQC, which was a small SUV that uh, is still not coming here uh, in the EQ brand for Mercedes-Benz. It's mainly the EQS and the EQS SUV uh, that have came here. So uh, the EQS and the EQS SUV is the equivalent to the S the Mercedes-Benz S-Series, um, and the GLS, if I recall correctly. I forgot the naming convention for Mercedes-Benz SUVs, but their biggest, most flagship uh, gas-powered cars. That sounds uh, are... right. The GLS, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so, but they've changed their names recent, recent-ish, recent or I think in the last seven years, and I forgot the, the naming scheme exactly. But uh, the EQS and the EQS SUV uh, are their quote-unquote equivalent in the electric world of their flagship models. And those are the 150K plus range. So they're pretty nice, they're pretty luxury, they're full of tech, but again, uh, they're not for everybody because they are expensive. Uh, one company that was surprised to already see in Canada is Lucid. Um, and my understanding is they might even have a, a dealership in the Montreal region. Or it's about to open, but I know you can get the Lucid. But again, it's not at for everybody's budget uh, still, but... The reason I bring back Lucid is that they start to ship their flagship models, the Lucid Air Dream, which is the 1,000 horsepower, like 830 kilometers of range. So, And it is a, a luxury sedan, so beating Tesla at Tesla's game, aka best technology, best range, best electric motors on the market. Like All of that can be now attributed to Lucid. Uh, I was watching again, uh, because we're in the winter right now, uh, a review of it here in Canada from, I think, a, two, three weeks ago when we had minus 30 uh, <laughs> degrees. Um, and the reviewer was pretty disappointed because uh, the Lucid, even if it had great tech, it was losing about 40% of its range uh, in the winter. For sure, it was the coldest day, but on top of losing 40% of its range, uh, the reviewer was kind of disappointed about the um, eating system in the car. It was not kind of, uh, keeping the cabin pretty warm uh, during those cold uh, weather. So it, it looked like it was a car made by in California by Californians because of that. But still, if you think about it, if you remove 40% of uh, 830 kilometers, you're in the 500 ish range which even if it's 30 40 percent remove 500 kilometers of range in the worst case scenario which is minus 30 in quebec is pretty neat the main downsides is you literally need 150k uh to get access to that uh there's gonna be cheaper lucid air models i think the there's uh, the Dream, I think one of the, the Lucid Air Pure, but those haven't shipped yet because, like any electric car these days, uh, the manufacturer loves to sh- sell the most expensive model first to try to recoup some of their R&D fees from building a new car, from building new factories, especially for uh, 
companies like Lucid. Uh, but even the cheaper cars are are still going to be pretty expensive. I think the Lucid is kind of it, it, it is in a weird range. Even if it's a cheaper model, it's going to be kind of seventy-five, eighty k. So it means it will still be in the luxury sedan range. But they start to hint that there are more models coming from them, uh, for sure. They'll have an SUV because that's what is currently selling here in North America, in the markets, so both in Canada and in the US. And I do hope that if they do have uh, those amazing ranges, that even if they remove a couple of battery packs, uh, you still end uh, to lower the price, you still end up with a great range. I Maybe mean, as big as 800 kilometers, but let's say. 600 650 uh so that during the winter you're above uh 400 kilometer range so that you can do a pretty nice uh road trip without worrying too much about charging just like you drive you drive for the day and then you charge at your destination or at your stop for the night um lastly on lucid it's really sad it's expensive Oh, it's really <laughs> sad. Uh, catching up on all the electric car news these days, there are a couple of cars that I was lusting after. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, the Rivian, it's not new, uh, but again, it's still expensive and I don't have a need for a pickup truck. So I'm like, I'm pretty down to earth for this. It is a cool car, but I don't care about the pickup truck. I would possibly be a bit more tempted by the SUV, but uh, I want remind me to talk about SUV sizes in the electric car market, which seems to not have a nice middle ground, but I'll talk about it a bit more later. So I'm pretty eager to see what will come out of Lucid for cheaper options. For sure, I don't expect them to do, let's say next year, a 50,000 Canadian dollar electric car like they cannot go from like 150 to 50,000 like in a year like I am not that crazy I know that that will take more years than that but I do hope that they'll be able to scale their tech enough so that they can bring it to a bigger market at lower prices because again like they have the tech to be in a range where you really need to not worry about your range in literally 99.9% of cases. Um, because I already hear some of the people saying, oh, I drive 600 kilometers per day, uh, even during the winter. So 500 is not enough. Like Once we're past the 300, 350 kilometer of range, during the winter available, I think we will cover a lot of cases for people. I And I think right now, most cars uh, sold today already go above that and during the normal season. And if there are cars that don't do that, like don't buy them. And we'll talk about some of them that have been released literally in the past six months that are struggling to do that. And I think they're a bad buy exactly for that. Next up, I want to talk about the cars that have been introduced in the past, let's say, 12 months because they there has been a lot of new cars available and I think they mark the point where if you're... I don't want to say like if you're in the bag for one brand per se, but if you are 
if you like one brand more than the other, I think now it's still po- it is possible to say, hey, let's say I like, we'll take an example here, Subaru, and but I really want to buy an electric car. Is there an electric car available for them? Yes, and you can replace Subaru by a lot of other brands. So there's going to be a rapid fire of uh, car mentioned, uh, and some of them I do have a bit of personal experience, so that's why I'm bringing this up. The first one uh, is the Chevrolet Bolt, uh, but the EUV model. So it's, as you know, the Chevrolet Bolt is a small hatchback, electric hatchback from Chevrolet. Uh, and they have announced this, uh, I think it's called the electric utility vehicle. I think that's the, the meaning of the EUNV. But it is a com- or subcompact size SUV shape bolt. Uh, nothing really fancy or special compared to a normal bolt. It just says it's a bolt with different styling and trying to have a bit of, of SUV styling. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because I think right now, if you're able to get your end on a bolt and you don't need that much more space than a bolt can give you, it is a great buy. I think those here in Canada, uh, and especially in the, the province of Quebec, because we have different uh, rebates for electric car, those can be gotten for cheap. I think like in the 35k range. Uh, don't quote me on that. Do your own calculation. Look at the rebates, but those can get pretty cheap and if you're a normal person driving like 10 15k kilometers per year with the price of gas and buying a similar size car it is cheaper to buy a bolt and i've seen a couple of reviews and a couple of the math made here for quebecers and the bolt not only starts but the bolt is one of the rare cars that when you do the the EV change is not only to say, oh, I'm stopping burning gas. Oh, I'm making a good move to, for the planet. No, it's also a good move for your wallet. So it's another good justification. Uh, do I care too much about the EUV model? Not really. Just different styling. Try to make you think it's an SUV when it's not <laughs> really. One brand I was surprised that I didn't mention about, but I think they were still in the end at their infancy in 2021 is Polestar, which is a new brand, but it's more or less Volvo, but we don't say it's more or less Volvo. <laughs> uh, but my understanding behind Polestar is they're only will have electric cars. Uh, their first car, the Polestar 1, was an hybrid, and that was limited run. Uh, so the Polestar 2 is their first uh, car, or their first mass market car, uh, and it's fully electric. Uh, and I had the chance to, or I shouldn't say the chance because now I see even more ads for it, but I was able to participate at a PR event uh, here in Montreal where people... And it, people from the public can just uh, reserve a spot to do a small test drive of 15-20 minutes uh, near a shopping mall. Um, and it was pretty nice. Like, I, before trying it, it was one of the cars that I really enjoyed the style. Um, it's pretty spacious. Uh, it has two things against it. One thing that I was aware of even before driving it is to me, and again, I wouldn't be surprised that this is influenced by Tesla, but still, to me, an electric car where you're not able to get a frunk, meaning that you can, they are able to package the car 
good enough so that they can give you access to a frunk, so more storage space in the front of the car where the engine was supposed to be for a guy's car. It's kind of a big disappointment. And the Polestar has the tiniest frunk I've seen. It's like, why do it if it's like, I think it's, I don't remember the exact dimension, but it would be hard to put like a grocery bag. It wow. was this small. <laughs> it was like just like laughable. Like it, Tony was with me when we did that, and we looked around, it, and it was like an again like we have a, a a good friend that has a Model X, so you've seen the Model X, you've seen the Frank, and Tony knows enough about the, the cars that to know that a lot of them has a Frank, have a Frank, and for sure I have the Boxster that also has a Frank. Uh, so he's pretty. F- familiar with the concept and when we first both look at it it was like oh yeah i thought it was i thought all electric cars had frunks like no not all of them but you kind of it kind of shows when they don't have it that uh it shows uh maybe a lack of thinking or a lot of design thinking when they produce the product or they design the product uh to give you more space because with smaller electric motors with the battery pack, many compo- many stuck in the floor of the car. Usually, electric cars have more space compared to their gas equivalent. They don't have a transmission tunnel. They don't have a transmission, or some of them do, but uh, they're not as big as what we used to be with cars. So, uh, it is really a lackluster. The other point I didn't like too much about it and i i kind of wish i i really want to drive it again to really see that but even in 10 15 minutes of driving i'm not a tall person i kind of felt cramp uh, in the car i remember hitting my head on the pillar above the door on the driver's <laughs> side and i'm like that's never a problem i have i'm i'm not a short person but i'm not a tall person either uh and Having this happen a couple of, maybe a two or three times, so it's not too much, but having that happen in 15 minutes was kind of like, oh, I was not expecting this car to be maybe so short inside. I was expecting to have more headroom. So, um, and I recall I didn't see too much people mentioning that in their reviews, so... I don't know. I have to revisit this, but I remember, and still today, I I have this vivid memory of feeling cramps in the headspace area when uh, being in the Pulse Store too. One of the thing is that they finally updated their infotainment system to support CarPlay. Uh, when yeah. I test drove it, that was not the case. Uh, Pulse Star and Volvo is mainly associated with Google, so they have the Google Assistant, they have Google Maps. I I'm not familiar enough to know if they use Android Automotive. That's why they have all those Google apps. But I just do know that they have a partnership with Google. Um, And when I did this test drive, which... Yeah, when I did this test drive, the the delivery date for the CarPlay update was last fall. uh, No, last spring. I think it was spring 2022. And... Now that I think of it, I think I did the test drive around that and it was still not out yet, but I saw a couple of weeks later that it got out. So for sure, if you're uh, a person that really enjoys CarPlay, like me, uh, you would do that. 
But it's not to say that the infotainment system in the car and that car is bad. I think it was pretty good. It was a good mix of touchscreen elements and touchscreen buttons and real physical buttons. But again, more on the put a lot of shit on touchscreen and in the infotainment system, but still not no button like a Model 3, for example. This is a mention just because, again, I think... Uh, I'm sure I'll see some at the Porsche events, but well, I will never own one because they're too much expensive. But the Taycan got two new models, uh, the Cross Turismo, which is the lifted wagon, and the GTS Sport Turismo, which is the low-to-the-ground sporty wagon. Uh, so if you like the Taycan and you like wagons, now you can have... Uh, a good combo of both uh, and they look amazing but they are so 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 expensive so uh, there are good cars to just dream about cars and I think they, they, the reason I bring them this combo up is it's fun to see that now electric cars are there too they also have their oh the dream car category starting to get filled in correctly it's not the supercar category like the f- the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, and things like that, but they do have like crazy sports car, fan- dream fantasy land, and uh, the Taycan for me is that. Uh, which is funny enough, I did drive a Taycan. Was that a two years ago? I forgot, but a while back, and it's pretty fun. Um, I quickly sat down in a Mac, a Mustang Mac He. Uh, and the reason I bring the Mackie up again is because um, the GT version got released since uh, the last time we talked about electric cars. And the GT version, like with the Mustang GT, is the sportier, faster version. Uh, it looks a bit better. Uh, it is available in yellow for people that don't like yellow. Um, and the main thing I was a bit disappointed with that uh, when looking at the reviews is while it is quite performant, its range is really bad compared to the normal Mackie. Another point I wanted to bring generally about the Mackie is the the owners, the people that drove them, started to mention that they struggle with reliability. So they might be nice cars, but it was... I'm close to say it was plagued with issues because I've seen multiple reports saying that uh, whether it's like long-term reviews from journalists or just owners saying, yeah, I had to go back to the dealership a couple of times to fix a couple of issues. Uh, So it was a bit disappointing. I've heard similar things about the F-150 Lightning, by the way, where like uh, I was with my dad the other day and he was watching a YouTube video of someone with an F-150 Lightning that he had gotten it the day of and he went to go charge it in a lot somewhere and it basically wouldn't let him charge and he took it back to the dealership and the dealership was like oh yeah that's the third one we've had back this week or something like that so um yeah it seems like ford electric vehicles are not quite there yet yeah yeah and i think that also applies with the uh, to the mackie um Funnily enough, I sat in one. Uh, when we were car shopping uh, before deciding to get the Subaru, we also, I remember uh, we mentioned that also, I mentioned that, excuse me, in the episode when I talk about the buying decision in the Subaru. We quickly look at what was available for electric cars. Uh, and A, Tony didn't like the styling of the Mackie. Uh, and B, uh, 
I quickly sat in one. So I was not even able to test drive one because the one I sat in was supposed to be delivered to a customer literally, I think, a couple of hours after I sat in it. Um, and the setting position was pretty low to the, or not low to the ground, but low to the floor, which meant that you had to go through the battery ump to get in the car and then fall in the car was, was strange feeling, uh, to sat in there. Uh, and I forgot Yannick and I'm sorry. I don't think I did play with the volume knob, the, the weird oh. one that is touch base <laughs> and things like that. Like, yeah. Uh, so I think I like to lead the me looking at the car, like was maybe two minutes. It was so quick, uh, and things like that. Remember a couple of uh, minutes ago when I was talking about. I think overall for most people nowadays, uh, ignoring if you do road trips or you travel a lot, um, 300 kilometers of range is the, even during the dead of the winter, shall be the, you don't need to care too much about charging yeah. with your car. So Mazda got into the electric car game with the MX-30. And boy, oh boy, that was disappointing. <laughs> the styling is strange. Uh, I don't know why we need to make all the cars look weird or uh, like try to make them look futuristic um, or pod shape. That's either they have, they need to have a weird future electric, uh, the future look or they need to be pod shape. Uh, and we'll talk about pod shape uh, later on. But the Mazda fits in the weird future ish category this looks like a but, shoe it's hard to describe it's so weird but it's even that's not the worst part the worst part is this got released late last year like in the fall and it offers 160 kilometers of range oh my god that's... like quoted range <laughs> meaning that that's what it does in its best case scenario and if you think about it, I really am happy that you brought up your mom's park, which I forgot if you, your parents is like 2013, 2014. Like what I'm trying to say here is the spark was released literally about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's a 10 year old model that your parents have, but, uh, it was released around the same time as the first Nissan Leaf or the uh, Mitsubishi IMF. So the yeah. first generation of electric cars were getting 150 kilometers of range was like, oh my God, we're freaking out. That's so <laughs> much because the previous electric cars were like uh, golf cart range type. In 2022, because that was released last year, 160 or I might be wrong. It's 160 or 180. So in that range, like below 200 kilometers of range is laughable. Um, and the reason why is that is in the end, and that thing, this version is not out yet is the MX30 is going to be available like the BMW i3, which was fully electric but was also available with a range extender, which was a gas-powered or a gas engine that was not connected to the wheel, but that was just kind of more as a generator. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which I think this one will bring the full range with the gas extend the range extender to I think around 300 kilometers. So they ship the fully electric one first, uh, being pretty handicapped because it feels to me that this was designed with the range extender in mind. So that's so weird, especially when you look at how big the car is. Like there's almost an excuse. It's Almost like the range extender is what's taking the space of the battery that would be used to provide the range or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it, I think it, this one is one of those cars where they don't have a frunk. And then mm. when you hear that they have, they'll have a range extender, it's like, oh, okay, I get why they don't have a frunk. Yeah. They need to reserve the space for an engine. So, uh, so in the end, it looks big, but it's small. So it's, it's kind of weird. The proportions are weird. It also reminds me a bit of Saturn cars. The, the styling huh. of this thing. I don't see it, but oh. uh, maybe can it's you explain just why? The, maybe it's just the photo that I that I found when I was searching for it. Okay. Um, but like the red one, I don't know why. Like the the black plastic bumper at the back just reminds me a lot of Saturn. But okay, no, but the, again, it is it's a car shaped suv car yeah. so it, it is a car more or less but they tried to make it look suv-ish so it has like plastic all around the wheel arches and then the lower parts and things like that and uh, it does have a two-tone color paint so uh the most of the most of the body is let's say for example red but the roof rails or the roof uh pillars are here in the pictures uh in gray and i think most of the models can be added to those two colors which creates for a special effect but eh, uh, it's kind of there so uh doesn't mean that the competition is getting strong that some manufacturers are running into or have bad decision making like Mazda with the MX-30. Uh, hopefully it's their first foray into electric car and that they'll have better products. But for now, please stay away from the MX-30. Again, there are for the same price. And I, thought, I think here, uh, here in Canada, it's super expensive, like 50k. So excluding the rebates for sure. Uh, the, the government rebates, but like for the same price, you can get the Chevy Bolt and have way better range. Uh, two strong contender to this, uh, Chevy Bolt being a great buy and like a great, like everybody that wants an electric car should buy a Chevy Bolt are two cars, the Hyundai Ionic 5 and its brother slash sister equivalent on the Kia side, the Kia EV6. And it's interesting because I think the Hyundai and Kia combo, they're they're more or less uh, owned by the same parent company. Uh, but throughout the years, Hyundai and Kia are being pretty good to use the same underlying tech for their gas power cars and the electric cars, but have really completely different styling. And the Ionic 5, if I do a small description of it, is it's a hatchback that looks or tries to look like an SUV because it is uh sold as an SUV in the US, by the way, which still doesn't make sense to me because it just looks like an hatchback. But as some of the Cybertruck look, but tastefully done, I would put it this way. It's really angular. It looks really futuristic, but it doesn't have the, the, the punk aspect of the cyberpunk of the Cybertruck. It's more or less the cyber future aspect. So again, 
I'll have a, a photo in the show notes or a link in the show notes of the uh, Ionic 5. There was one of these parked in my neighborhood recently, and I was freaking out when I saw it because it doesn't have a front grill, and I thought that was really weird and disorienting. <laughs> but it looks right. very good otherwise. No, it looks really... Um, you know what? I agreed with you up until I saw one in person. on In photos, like in press photos, I thought it looked really good. But the fact that it's trying to be... Uh, hatchback but also trying to be an suv i didn't realize how big it was in real life so the first time i saw one i was like oh it's big yeah and it's not not in a good way it's like kind of like oh it's big and bulbous even if it's supposed to be angular and futuristic um that's just how i react to all cars nowadays though because that's just what the north american car market is Right, now for sure. If you compare it to the uh, Kia EV6, uh, this one, based on the same technology, so they have more or less similar range, but the styling is completely different. Um, this one looks more like kind of a hatchback slash wagon, the, especially the, 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 the back side of the car is really wide and big. Uh, it try it kind of tries to be like like I said um, an hatchback but wagony so it's kind of a bit longer but also trying to be a coupe because it's like really have a, having a like a slope rear end uh, from the front I really enjoy this car from the back less so much but again uh, they offer both those cars ignoring the styling they offer great tech great performance great range in the 450 kilometer range so in the winter you get 275 280 which close to 300 (laughs) so close to getting to what people have what people want uh one funny downside of the ionic 5 is that here in quebec uh we use salt on our roads, and which means that the snow melts uh, which means that your car gets dirty gets dirty and your windows gets dirty and there's no uh wiper on the rear glass which means you cannot clear the rear glass uh which was funny when uh, again the same uh, quebec reviewer i mentioned was was showing the car and how dirty the rear glass was literally after driving five minutes on the road (laughs) during our winter and he was like this is a dumb design literally was (laughs) it was really uh poignant with his words saying like i don't kind of knew but i don't know how designers and manufacturers of cars can build a car and not literally drive them in the in a dirty road or something to see that uh but one downside of those two cars and especially more on the ionic 5 is no rear wiper means you'll have to get out of the car and go wash your window if you want to see from the back window uh on lastly on those two points again pretty economical uh, again <laughs> the main downsides for those is trying to get them is always hard but they fit to me in the i have maybe i used to buy like a 35 to or a 30 to forty thousand dollar car uh I might be able to now extend it to 50 even if I don't drive too much but I'm willing to put a bit more money to get an electric car 
uh, the Ionic 5 and the EV6 are in this category of like great buys for somewhat cheap uh, or what I consider quote unquote the lower end of the electric car market. While we're on the side of the electric car market, the cheap car market, and I'm sure Yannick is eagerly awaiting for us to talk about Subarus, <laughs> we'll talk about the combo of the Subaru Solterra and the Toyota BZ4X that I have already mentioned. And why I say the combo is because it is yet another partnership between Subaru and Toyota. Uh, in the past, Subaru and Toyota worked together to build the BRZ. Yeah, the the BRZ. And I was trying to not make a mistake on the Scion because it's no longer called Scion, but the, uh, the Toyota 86, yeah. uh, which is a pretty cheap sports car, but a pretty fun one. Uh, with the Solterra slash BZ4X, I think the partner, from what I've heard, is the partnership where the BRZ and the 86 was really like. A collaboration, like Subaru provided the powertrain, uh, Toyota bring, brought the design and then the um, sportness aspect to that car and in the interior. The uh, with this electric car, it's like mainly a Toyota car. Uh, Subaru mainly provided their uh, all-wheel drive system, but uh, you can more or less think it as a rebadge for the Subaru. You might expect that. From the leader of the hybrid cars, that it would be a good electric car, it is sadly an okay to me. Like that kind of that range of like, okay, it's a good try. Um, the style, like you have to like the styling, um, but its range is kind of lackluster. It's not as bad as the MX thirty, uh, but it's kind of in the three hundred ish kilometer range. It is pretty expensive as a model. Uh, for sure, you have the benefit of Subaru's like four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive system. Even the Solterra is only available in all-wheel drive compared to the BZ4X that can be have in, oh, I think, I'm sure I'll make a mistake, but I think this is one of the rare electric cars that when they're not all-wheel drive, they, it is a front-wheel, front-wheel drive, excuse me, compared to a lot of them that are uh, rear-wheel drive. Uh, so yes, uh, my my recollection is the Toyota can also be had as a front-wheel drive car, um, which means that even with the front-wheel drive, like the the range is below 400 from what I've read. Uh, the tech inside the car, like the infotainment system, that was never like neither Subaru nor Toyota strong suit, uh, that hasn't evolved too much, so they really behind the competition especially if we just talk back about the Hyundai or the Kia systems or even the Chevy or the GM systems uh, those are more or less lackluster either and what I mean by that is either they kind of like nowadays they it's on a new card new card is expected to have CarPlay but especially wireless CarPlay so they might offer I think there was one they offer wired CarPlay which it's funny for me that uh reviewers kind of see it as a downside but i'm like no no wired carplay is is pretty neat uh, <laughs> uh and i say that and we have issues with the Subaru outback sometimes just disconnecting which was not the issue with the ford uh but i did see uh and my brother 
Mabrodo's minivan is with the wireless carper and does mention that it is sometimes unreliable. Um, so that's it's a bit weird. But again, they, they compare it with a lot of other tech that electric car have and just benefits of having a more touchscreen based interface and or having even if they have buttons they don't not really well placed so while it is an option it's kind of a bit of a those two are kind of a lackluster option and i didn't know too much about the subaru and again uh they don't have that much they do have uh oh yeah because one of the main questions Tony was asking when we were shopping around was like, hey, uh, is there any available options if we look at Subaru? And I was like, yeah, there is the Crosstrack, but it's a plug-in hybrid. And from what I heard, the hybrid system is not so great, even in its new generation. So I was kind of hoping that uh, with this first foray into electric car with Subaru, that they would have something good, but seems to be not so... not. Not like, again, not like the MX-30, but it does mean like the bar is pretty low uh, for that point. Okay, last up before we go into the future category is the BMW iX. And that's where my big kind of rent goes with the size of electric cars. Um, the iX is the first big SUV from BMW that is fully electric. It's meant to come to be a competitor of the Tesla Model X and the one I mentioned uh, before, the uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV. Most of the reviews I've seen mention that it is a good SUV, a good luxury SUV, performant, has good range, really comfortable, great build quality, great material in the interior. The styling is decisive, as with recent BMW styling. It has the, I don't want to say the typical, but that's the new Kindergrid style that is being, uh, pretty critical, people have been pretty critical of, even if it doesn't need air intake because it's an electric car, it still has a big Kindergrill, uh, which makes it look weird in my opinion, but, I don't think it's a problem with this product, but it's a problem I have with currently electric cars is that either you have a lot of them in the bold Ionic 5 category, Mach-E, where if it was a gas car, I would call kind of call them kind of a compact class car and SUVs. And then you skip above and you go into the Model X, the BMW iX, or I haven't mentioned it just yet, the Volvo SUVs, like the big ones, we don't seem to have like a good in-between, a bit like what we've got with the Outback. Uh, and that's kind of what made me think about a lot of what the, a lot of the cars that has been announced yet is they are either kind of considered compact or they're considered like full size even if we if we talk about the uh, Riven R1S they're big SUVs so I'm eager to see how long will it take for car makers to have like a compact intermediate full size uh, type of lineup for uh, cars whether it's uh, cars cars or SUVs uh, because um, if I were to reflect my thinking on my own 
recent car purchase like we're pretty enjoying the uh the outback which falls into the intermediate size uh category and it's pretty big so while i I do enjoy the space i don't want something bigger and it seems that it's either if we were to go back if we were to go to electric only today it's either we have to go smaller or we have to go bigger and guess what i don't want to kind of don't want to go bigger so so that's that uh Closing this parenthesis to come back with uh, the iX. Um, this is putting a lot of pressure on the big SUV. Like I said, it's putting a lot of pressure on the Tesla Model X. It's pretty competitive. But again, as with any luxury BMW and not like 3 Series more or less, uh, it is pretty expensive. Good. So that uh, wraps up the current cars that have been released. So to conclude tonight's, uh, this week's episode, um, I want to talk about what's coming out soon, uh, because there are a couple of interesting cars that will be trendsetters and also will possibly change, uh, the perception we have with, uh, EV cars. And I think the first one encompasses all the descriptive i just mentioned and it is the volkswagen id buzz so volkswagen is bringing back the infamous volkswagen bus in electric form so for people that are unfamiliar with that it is a tradition uh, or a well-known car that has been existing uh since no longer here, but for sure since the 40s and 50s, like the, the Volkswagen bus. And they're bringing it back as an EV model. And it's kind of weird because here in North America, the, the van market has been slowly but surely dying off. Like a lot of the big players there are kind of like either losing market or kind of disappearing Right now, like GM used to be a big player, they're no longer producing vans or minivans, I should say. Uh, Toyota was a big player, it's still there, they're still going strong. Uh, Honda is there, but they're struggling. Uh, their Odyssey is uh, getting long in the tooth. Uh, Kia with the Carnival is trying to put a spot, and Chrysler with the Pacifica or the or the infamous uh, Dodge caravan that used to exist here uh is losing market share so volkswagen is kind of like shaking the bucket and then we'll be introducing this passenger van uh which will be pretty flexible and again uh those in the past used to be modified to be camper cars uh, camping vans so i'm also eager to see uh what will be the uh the third party market for those conversions uh mixed with that as an electric vehicle so it's really a monument of volkswagen that is getting rebirth uh a bit like you could say of the new beetle in the early 2000s um and this is about to get released here i think it's the next six months but it's literally it's either out in europe or about to go out uh so there's you might even see in the coming weeks like a lot of reviews from our european friends uh touting the benefits of the ied buzz and especially uh sooner rather later see the benefit of it here too when i was searching for it to try to find a photo for reference uh i saw a lot of news articles that have come out in the last week 
so I think there was a PR event this week uh, for it. So, yeah, there has been a, f- a couple of PR events in the past few months to kind of uh, re-hype it because the launch is coming soon. It looks really nice. Uh, I want to see more colors though because so far I've only seen the white and yellow one, which like it, yes. it's fine. It's not the greatest yellow, uh, so I would like to see other colors. Yeah, but they 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 kind of again the this reimagination of the Volkswagen bus is really reminiscent of the Volkswagen new Beetle yeah. because you see it and you see the old vehicle and you, you see the cues they reuse mm-hmm. this two-tone color. Like you, you remember when you see a model from the sixties where it was kind of like beige and orange. Yep. Now they do it with white and yellow on the, the press colors or in the press uh, images. So I'm eager to see if all the models will be in this two tone because that is really a, a design style cue from the old model. And it is pretty squared off. Even if they try to make it kind of pod shape with round corner, it, it, it is pretty kind of a, a fridge on wheels, uh, still. It which... also reminds me a bit of the CRT IMAX. The what? The CRT IMAX, the IMAX G3. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It has those vibes. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, next up, we go back to Hyundai. And like I mentioned, the Ionic 5 is kind of a SUV hatchback shaped. Hyundai is about to ship the Ionic 6. Uh, and this one, the styling is pretty interesting. So it's more or less the same. It's going to be more or less the same car as the Ionic 5, but it's not going to be an hatchback. It's going to be a sedan. But this one is really, really like when I said pod shape, like this one is pretty pod shape. It starts like really thin at the front, goes, goes up for the door and the interior space and go really back down to be thin in the back. So it's going to be a replacement of the uh, Elantra, like that that size of sedan car. Based again on the same technology of the Ionic 5. So I'm not too worried that that's not going to be successful. Uh, so same text, same range, just a different shape, car shape uh, on that front. So I expect that this gonna sell like hotcakes when it gets released and my understanding is even this one too like you mentioned Yannick this one I've started to see people putting reviews because they've attended PR events and this one is like out of the press next up we'll be talking about Nissan and it's interesting interesting to talk about Nissan because a lot of the car I mentioned is like cheap cars and if you think about it Nissan opened the ball with the Nissan Leaf. It's mm-hmm. like it's pretty cheap. It yes, the range was a bit lackluster. They shipped the second generation of it, which was good when it got shipped, but it's still the same one from twenty seventeen. I forgot exactly. I think it was twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen when they 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 revved the the Nissan Leaf to a new generation. And the problem with the Nissan Leaf is competition caught up to it and surpassed it uh, again. I know I mentioned winter a lot, but <laughs> it's March here. And it is one of the main problems with electric car here is winter is hard on the batteries. Um, and the Nissan Leaf, the new generation, by, no, I was about to say by default, but no, it's you cannot get it with the heat pump to try to cool down or heat exchange. Uh, so remove heat or bring heat 
to the battery pack. And that is something really useful in an electric car to lower the impact of temperature changes, especially if you charge, charge outside, if your car is parked outside, to warm it up. Uh, this is really useful and lowers the impact. Remember what I was talking about those 35, 40, 45% decreases in range. Uh, a car without a heat exchanger or heat pump for the battery pack or one with sees maybe a 5% gain or 10% gain best scenario during those extreme temperature. So one of the downside is because the normal range of the Nissan Leaf, which is around I think 30, uh, 330 kilometers, 250 kilometers in the uh, warm season, goes to 200, 175 during the winter. So it goes really bad. And while it is cheaper for sure uh, than the, the Bolt, which is one of its advantage, like the price difference between a Bolt or a, maybe not a 995 because it's a bit more expensive than a Bolt, but compared to the Bolt for sure, the difference is to get a more performant car. And I'm not talking here like performance, like, like sports car and things like that. It's just like range and, but mainly range here, uh, <laughs> is that the Nissan is kind of, it is lackluster. So, Nissan is working on introducing a new generation of electric car and they will start, and I'll say hopefully finally, because they've teased the Aria uh, for a long while. I think it's for the last two years. They say, oh, it's coming soon, it's coming soon. But again, another one that is finally coming. And it is this one is more like SUV shape. It should have caught up to the tech of others when it's in theater space, uh, whether it is infotainment system, whether it's range. It is more or less what you expect from a compact SUV, electric SUV. You get a good range, you get good, like it's not performant, but it's peppy, I should say, uh, and you get great into your space. Styling is polarizing again. Uh, it's funny, like I say that for all electric cars, but it's hard for me to say which electric car design I really like because they all have something I'm like, oh, that's too much on the wrong side, or it's too <laughs> much uh, extra. Um, didn't mention any Cadillac, uh, but I was watching uh, a Noto Focus video from Marquez again about uh, the Cadillac Cleric, and the front grille is full of LEDs, and it's like, <laughs> it's a bit too much, literally. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so it's interesting to see that a lot of them have something in their design style that rubs me the wrong way. And I think here for the area, it's kind of like everything. It's, it's kind of a blend design, but again, it seems, it seems to me like a promising product for Nissan to catch back up to the competition compared to what they have with the second gen Nissan Leaf. Okay. The last two. I have to have a special mention about the Apple car because we did have oh a special God. section about the Apple car in the 2021 uh, episode. And it's funny because I was I was listening back and reviewing my notes from then and we were talking about the rumors that Kia and Hyundai was possibly <laughs> the partner and things like that. And it's funny to hear like, nope, no, car Apple car project is dead now. Uh, so, I don't think it, I don't know if it's dead or not anymore. It keeps changing and it's, bothering me right i i see more recently that 
the rumor mill is starting to say, oh no, it's not dead. But there has been a big push to say, no, no, the, they're not building a car. Uh, was the big push of the last year. Like the, that's what came out of the rumor mill. So I'm eager to see. And if you put that into contrast with Apple being rumored to work on a car, like we know they work on them, but there's always rumors of when it's coming, when it's coming, when it's going to be announced. And if you contrast that with Sony, <laughs> which has been, the Sony car. which has been teasing with prototype, uh, their own car and this year they've officially announced that they are working on a car but they'll have a real product quote-unquote soon uh, and they're working in tandem with Honda to build the Afila uh, and their joint company or partnership is called the Sony Honda Mobility uh, but the it's unclear if it's the brand or the model or the lineup, but the Afila products, let's put it this way, is one of the car that was, uh, the Afila car was shown at CS this year. Um, and it was, I don't know. It, it was something. Let's put it this way. Uh, and at least we'll see if they will really commit to what they said. Uh, it is not coming up on, it's not coming out soon. It's a midterm release plan. I think they said 2025 in the US, uh, 2026 in the rest of the world or something like that. So it's at least three years away. But it was interesting to contrast that with the big rumors that Apple something. And then Sony's more or less kind of like teasing us to go back to what you were saying at the beginning with Tesla, with the Cybertruck. Uh, you compared that with Samsung and people. You could literally compare that with Sony, which for the past three years have been teasing us with prototypes and never shipping anything. I think they've put uh, the flag a bit forward saying, okay, no, 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 don't worry. We work with a known manufacturer. We're not trying to, to build uh, factories to become a car manufacturer. We'll work with Honda to do that. Um, so I think it puts a bit more emphasis on their project that something there or the chances of something coming out of this project have increased now that they're working with Honda. And not because they're working with Honda. I think Honda is also a bit like Toyota in this case. They're kind of been uh, bearish, bullish. I always forgot which is which. But they've been pretty uh, downplaying the electric car market. Uh, so maybe it's their own way to kind of catch up on the uh, competition by teaming up with Sony. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a bit surprised you're speechless about the Sony car. Uh, I don't know enough about it to actually care that much i'll i'll care more when it's actually a real product but for now it's okay, just like fair. still in the prototype realm so unless yeah, you yeah. can give it to me in gran turismo 7 like i don't care uh you know what i'm a bit surprised they haven't done that i know right because with all the the gt collaboration uh huh vision this gt and not... stuff yeah i w- I was blanking on the Vision GT name, but I, at the same time, was kind of remembering this did not happen in GT7. There's no Vision GT in No, there's Vision GT vehicles, except they're not, they're not listed as a Vision GT dealership. They're listed under the actual regular dealership. 
Mm, oh, okay, okay. That's why. That's yeah. why I'm mixing it up. They're like okay, yeah. generally, I think, uh, grade one uh, models, and they're something something VGT concept. Okay. Okay, that's why. But there but, are yeah. also like weird. I don't. I don't want to call it hobbyist, but like like weird independent tier car companies in GT now as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen a few weird models that I literally had no idea these companies existed and they showed up in uh, updates over the last year. Right. Uh, so it, it wouldn't be a far, it wouldn't be a, a big stretch for uh, a Fila to show up in there uh, anytime soon. I just imagine that they haven't done the work to model the car and put everything in there yet. Uh, another note is that the Afila has a yoke steering wheel, so you'll love that. Right, I forgot. I forgot about that. That's true. But let's not talk about the yoke again because I'll be mad again. <laughs> Good. In the past two years, I kind of realized that there has been a lot of evolution, more than I've ever assumed. And I, you know, I consume a lot of car content. Uh, but kind of using this episode as a flag, like I'd say, okay, let's look at my last deep look at the market from two years ago. Uh, I felt a bit overwhelmed and in a good way. Uh, like I mentioned in my other car section, all car manufacturers, except a couple, like they all have, or most of them, I should say, have either one car or about the future section, they have a majority of their new cars coming at electric as electric only. And here, I want to make a distinction because then I'll say I expect that most of them will have most of their cars electric. But here, what I mean, the majority is like maybe I'll say like fifty percent of their new cars that they're announcing or they'll be releasing in the next eighteen months are going to be electric. And all of this is to say that I expect that if I put the flag in two years, so 2025, I expect that we will rarely talk about gas car, like new gas car, which I'm not surprised that this transition is happening fast, but I'm a bit surprised it's happening that fast too at the same time. I am also kind of trying to imagine a world without COVID for a sec, because we know that the electric car market has been impacted by the supply constraint of the last three years. Greatly impacted, I would even dare to say. So even the fact that I feel that the market has evolved a lot since 2021, I cannot fathom how faster it would have evolved if there was not supply constraint or possibly what would have been the adoption here in North America or closer to home here in my own province of electric car even in a province where a we have a lot of uh, government subsidies and if we look at the total total canadian population like we are great adopters of uh electric cars so it is making me like it's gonna be fun i expect that uh the next few years are gonna be even funnier and really more interesting and I'll echo the the note I left in the last episode from two years ago saying that I still feel that, you know what, there are 
we're in a, uh, an era where we'll see new manufacturers, when you see new brands, we'll see new ideas, we'll see the one that sticks, we'll see the one that were stupid and we'll laugh about in 10 years because they were so dumb. The same way we look at Sony PDAs and we reminisce and are all ugly and crazy and fun and weird at the same time they were. <laughs> so all of this is says, it's funny to look back, it's funny to look forward, but Boy, did a lot of things has happened in the car market in the past two years. And I'm really good to see what's coming in the next two and even in the next five. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised that I will wait a long time to do a real like, as you heard today, there was a lot of car names mentioned. Uh, but I'm thinking about it. And even Tony is saying that, like, he's really said that. The next car we buy shall be electric, especially like our main daily driver. And again, I don't expect to buy it like in the next two years. Like, I guess I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> if we follow my last trend, like let's say three to five years uh, of ownership. So for sure around 2025, uh, we might look into that. Um, that's going to be a safe, a safe bet, I should say. So I'm really good to see what's coming uh, there are a lot of great options and i do hope that a lot of those manufacturers like really catch up to the demand because it's really sad to try to get one and be told like oh yeah just wait in line for two years and then we'll call you back when yeah. it's ready like I, th I think right now that is the main downside to all electric cars. It's not that they have, you know, they don't have as much as good range or as much as flexible range as a, a gas car. It's just the fact that you want one today. You have to wait two years. Um, and that's not what you'll see on the, on the gas side. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people are still saying like, Hey, you know what? I need something right now. And. Even on the used market, because of you have to wait two years, you can imagine that rare are the electric cars staying on the used market, or you can imagine that the price are pretty high. So that's not, I'm not expecting that to go down uh, for sure in the years to come. So I hope that you enjoyed this update, that it's making you curious about what's coming on the electric side. And also, I hope that um, for more of the car nerds like me out there, that you are not, and I, I, I'll end on this note, that you're not feeling that because of this transition, the, the car, the gas stuff will go away and that's bad. I think it's, it's a good thing in general, but I'm not also saying that there's not fun stuff coming so uh the reason i bring this up is part of some of our conversation about uh, electric cars at work like somebody was like hey why are you so interested about that i was like because i like cars you know so like don't be surprised that i'm curious to see what's happening on the electric side because nowadays i think we're really close to the point where we won't talk about electric cars. We'll just talk about cars. And that is pretty fun to think about. And that is it for me. All right. If you want to find the full show notes for this episode, you can find them at limitlesspossibility.net slash 201. Or you can find all of our episodes over at limitlesspossibility.net. I didn't have an outro ready for Mastodon, <laughs> so I'm going to improv it on the spot because I'm a bad podcaster. You can find the show on the Fediverse 
at limipo underscore podcast at mastodon.social. You can also find us individually on the Fediverse. I am at Sakarina at icosahedron.website. And you can find Luc Olivier at Luco, that's L-U-C-C-O, at mastodon.social. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.